0: Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we talk wide receivers. We've got an update on DeAndre Hopkins, a possible larger role for Rondell Moore, and maybe A.J. Green is back. Kingsbury commented on all those subjects at the annual league meeting. Plus, overtime will look a little different this season. But first, the four words Mike Jarecki and the rest of the NFL media has been waiting to hear. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 549, and it starts now. And without announcement, a collective cheer erupted across the country and across the world, really. There will once again be locker room access for media, according to Brian McCarthy, the league's VP of communications. I, for one, MJ, looking forward to being back in the locker room, if allowed, and actually meet DeAndre Hopkins, who's played two seasons, have not met D-Hop, have not met J.J. Watt. It's been a long two seasons without that not even the access, but just be able to introduce yourself to new faces with the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Did you ever think this would happen again?
0: You know what? There's a part of me that hoped for it, but then also as you change and adapt, you realize what you can do without what you thought you couldn't, if that makes sense, Bird Gang. Zoom, it's not ideal. You lose that personal connection, some of those fun stories, some stories that maybe get out that, You'd want not to get out if you're the team. So there was a part of me that thought, hey, you know what? You did it for two years. Why do you really need it? What's the benefit?
1: And I can understand the argument on both sides. Do you think it helped with Major League Baseball opening up their clubhouse?
0: It's a good call. I, I You know what? Because there's this synergy amongst the four major professional sports leagues that if one does it, Everyone looks at them and says, you know what, let's take a look at that. The NBA, the first team, first league to shut down. Now, the NFL wasn't participating at that time, but then everyone kind of followed along. It's much like, wow, we're really going on to make a left-hand turn here. The airline industry, a rate hike, then everyone else follows. It's something similar to that. There's competition amongst the professional leagues, but there's also a collective effort to, hey, what can we do best to improve our leagues and make it fan-friendly?
1: Yeah, and we're not joking now. You know, we we had a chance to sit in the back of the room during the training camp uh, with the press conference, so we did see the players. We just haven't been in the locker room, um, whether it was at State Farm Stadium or here in Tempe. And, you know, to me, I I think it's really good for the fans because, you know, Usually, if a guy's playing well and they have um, you know certain guys that talk certain days of the week, so you can always hear from the head coach at least two or three times a week. You're going to hear from the coordinator. You're going to hear from the head coach. I'm sorry, the quarterback. But when you get in a locker room and the team does a really good job making players available, but here now you, you have an opportunity to go talk to someone that maybe is a new player, like you know, uh, we'll see how, how many they end up with, uh, draft picks, so, I think it's good for the fans where you're not just getting what the team is giving you. You're giving them more insight. And for me, that's really how I cut my teeth. I mean, you know, you have to be around these guys to trust. They want to trust you, and you have to trust them. Um, obviously, they, they have to trust you, seeing you around. Sometimes I don't go over there with a notebook or tape recorder and just having a conversation. And I'm not looking for anything, but maybe he gives me an observation. Hey, what do you see about here? What do you see here? And so I think it's good for our show to where we can bring a little bit more insight. uh, Not breaking news, just more insight to what's going on on a daily basis.
0: And the Zoom interviews, a little impersonal. Some players liked it. Others feel more comfortable when you can actually see the face-to-face. And again, I applaud pro athletes when that microphone is put into your face, either after practice or 10 minutes after the game ends, and all of a sudden you're asked questions. So that is something that I'll I'll always appreciate. But that Zoom interview, you know, you're a little limited in follow-up questions um, and just maybe a player being more comfortable. I, you know, it's it's no different than you and I doing Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals via Zoom during the pandemic. It's doable but this interaction here is we're four four five, five feet apart but still you know the hand gestures the movements yes it, it's it, it's a mo- it's a better conversation when you're in the same room than when you're in two separate places and that's
1: a great point for those that are not aware and some teams are different when you, when you go on zoom you have to raise your hand and so you get a question in but they they'll announce three or four names and then you got to get back in the order and at some point, you'd like to go back to that question, but maybe the, the question's been asked by somebody else. So that's a really good point. when you're in a locker room, there's face-to-face, and you could tell when somebody's going to follow up a question. And it's more writers because, obviously, they're doing – a little bit more than we are just, you know, living on sound bites.
0: And I'll say this, as much news that came out of the annual league meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, which wrapped up on Wednesday, and early, late Tuesday when Commissioner Roger Goodell had a chance to speak, and that's where that quote came from Brian McCarthy, of all the news, overtime, coaches, (laughs) players, whatever the news that broke over those three days, the biggest viral reaction on social media from those that follow the game as far as reporters who cover the NFL specific team or the league the Adam Schefters and Rappaport that seemed to without kind of reading between the lines because it's hard via a text or social media post just you know what was the meaning or the intent you could just tell Coming through your computer or your phone that there are a lot of smiles and all of a sudden a sense of freedom. Hey, we've got locker room access. So we'll see how it works out. But well, that was that was the biggest takeaway on
1: Tuesday and that was, for a lot of people. And that was the last thing because usually those they wrap it up early, they get the meetings in and then, you know, all those owners have their Private jets and everything else, so they're ready to get out of there. They, you know, they had the commissioners' party the night before, so it, it's and hopefully it comes back to it every couple of years. But yeah, uh, I could just tell everyone was relieved, and and the, you know, the majority of the I people I cover or follow on Twitter is beat writers, national um, reporters, insiders. So you could just see the relief of. Um, Again, we got to hope that the pandemic um, doesn't return. I mean, it sounds like now we're going to have to get like booster shots, like flu shots in the, in the future. So uh, obviously we're making progress, um, but there can't be any setbacks. Uh, and, and, and I got to think we haven't seen any um, videos from the locker room. They, they've had dividers in there, <laughs> and that's going to make it tough. And, and they may have to cap off how many people are in the locker room, and, and they may do some stuff outside.
0: It's going to be fascinating because, again, it's been two years since I've been in that Cardinals locker room. The last time walking into that locker room when there was actually a locker for number 11, he does not play for this team anymore, hasn't officially retired. But I'm, 21. Guessing, I'm guessing that number 11's locker is not in there, despite the fact he hasn't officially announced his retirement. So how that is set up, It's. You don't I'm, th- I'm curious on, on just so how it all going to go. Do you think
1: they kept his locker?
0: I believe they did for several months okay. that off season because, if I remember correctly, Tay Gowan, I hope that was the right draft pick, but kind of did either an Instagram story or an Instagram okay. post, a video, and kind of panned the locker room, and that corner locker room, number 11 stuff was still in there, and we were talking, we'll see, May perhaps sometime late May. Maybe it was the rookie minicamp or whatever. So the so, season had
1: been over with. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to give our – Of course, our, this was two years ago. And, yeah, we got to give our guy Jimmy Omahundro with the Pat Tillman yep. uh, and go to Folktales. Guys at Oregano, he's got to make a, a quick beeline to the facility. But, yeah, maybe they thought Larry was going to return. I, I wouldn't think anybody would occupy that locker. Well, that's an interesting question because that's
0: a space, and there is valuable real estate, especially when you have
1: 90-man rosters. I will say this, though. If there's one guy, Christian Kirk, because, you know, eventually he had Michael Floyd was a couple lockers down. He had Trent Shurfield, uh, Andre Roberts, and then you had Andy Isabella kind of down the other way. Um, But eventually Christian Kirk kind of moved over another spot, so it wouldn't surprise me. I guess we'll try to find out. Hey, when the locker room's open, I'll ask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes our Kirsten job Kirk's easier. Kirk's no longer here, though. Yeah, makes, makes our job easier, whether the fans think it matters or not. You know, I, who knows? Fans want to know what happens on Sunday. Did you win the game? Did you lose the game?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I listened to uh, Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and he went through the locker room and he, he switched um, offense, defense, offense, defense. He said – You know, because the Cardinals, quarterbacks are on one side, you know, position groups. He said they spend so much time with each other. I want them to enjoy their other teammates. Obviously, you know, Cliff's not – that's probably the lowest on the totem pole. But that's a new coach going in there. I want you to know your teammate, just the guys that you're in meetings with, and I want you to know the other side of the ball. And I thought that's interesting. And, you know, that's the kind of way you shake things up versus the norm.
0: Yeah, and it's – You know, just getting to know one another because you're going to do battle quote-unquote with these guys, whether it's offensive players or defensive players, being a team and not individual position groups. So I understand it, and uh, heck, maybe maybe that's something that he learned over his time around the National Football League because he's been at a number of different stops. Basically, wherever Kyle Shanahan was is where McDaniel was. Yeah,
1: and that's one thing when you want to come in, you don't want to go, well, we've done this. One way forever. Oh, no, this I'm in charge now. I'm the CEO of this team when you become the head coach. You mentioned
0: doing things different, and that brings us to our next topic here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The NFC coaches addressed the media earlier in the week, and head coach Cliff Kingsbury asked and answered a number of different questions about Kyler Murray, the wide receivers. But doing things differently. Because this team needs to do things differently considering how the last two seasons have finished. Losing 6 of 10, losing 5 of 7, and not winning a game in which you could clinch a playoff spot. How does this team get over the hump as far as finishing games, finishing seasons better? And that was something Kingsbury was asked about and said, yes, quote, different things that I could have done a better job of adjusting the offense. And that's what we've done just trying to address how we practice later in the season, how we strategize, different things like that to try and be better in that final stretch, end quote. So we all know the issue on offense, and yeah, a large part was the absence of DeAndre Hopkins, but it's got to be more than that. And Kingsbury's phrasing adjusting the offense. You lose a piece, you have to adjust. Now, I think it's foolish to think that this offensive coaching staff did not adjust when De- DeAndre Hopkins was out. It wasn't just all right. Well, that was D Hop, so Antoine Wesley, AJ Green, you're going to be D Hop. I-, I-, I can't imagine that being the case. It certainly looked like it at times, based off the results. But you lose a focal point, whether it's a wide receiver, a running back, someone on the offensive line, or you're talking on the defense. How do you adjust? How do you adapt to that to be able to keep momentum and keep winning
1: ball games? Well. I think, and I've talked to some position coaches, and they did do a deep dive why they're struggling late in the year. Now we can get back to nine different offensive linemen. Collar maybe wasn't the same down the stretch, feeling the pressure. But, you know, I think uh, I, if you want a, uh, an example, I think when Cliff talks about Rondell Moore, he thinks he probably could have used him a little bit different when – D-Hop was out, whether that was in the slot, putting him on the outside, letting him utilize his skill set. That's the biggest thing I'm taking away from Sean Jefferson and Cliff Kingsbury. He, he admitted there. I probably could have used him in a different way. So that that right there tells me that they went to, and did a deep dive in scouting um, and, and scouted their own team and be, was honest with each other. But I, I've talked to coaches, and they said two things, injuries and we were inconsistent. You know, there were games where we fell behind, and that's not our motto. We need to play with a lead. Um, but it was addressed, and I'm glad they're talking about it because you have to recognize it, and you hope it doesn't happen in the in the future. Again, you're not going to win every game in the second half of the season, but you just don't want to have that falling off a cliff uh, mentality. And I think, you know, they have addressed it. Now we'll see what transpires at, at the end of the season.
0: Injuries are a reason. But they cannot be an excuse. They can't be something that you fall back on because I always point to Derrick Henry. Titans lose him for a chunk of the season, yet they finished with the number one record in the AFC. So, and that's a huge part of their offense, much like DeAndre Hopkins. So it is doable. Now, who are the other pieces you have around that player that is so valuable that if you do lose him, you know you're going to take a step back. But collectively, can you make that step a half a step and not a full step or two steps back?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. But, you know, you would think Tennessee's offensive line was was probably better than the Cardinals throughout the course of the year. A.J. Brown, probably the better receiver than besides DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Julio was kind of hit and miss. Um, But they were able to run the football with Adrian Peterson and some other backs. I, I understand what you're saying. But again, it's just this offense is predicated on that number one wide receiver and the quarterback. Because, I mean, again, I go back to the uh, Rams game. I I don't know why they didn't target Zach Ertz. That that should have been something that was brought up after, because they were out. You know, Eric Weddle came out of retirement. They were losing their safeties. Now, when you fall behind twenty-one nothing, I get it, and you're just kind of trying to play for pride at that point. But um, there's a lot of things that go back and look we should have done this and and the the good news is they're not overlooking it because it did affect the outcome of the season to your point the titans had better talents that
0: could make up the difference of a derrick henry that the cardinals lacked
1: yes and they and they had they went through 91 players on their roster 91 that was the league high cardinals were somewhere in 85 88 Um, but let's be honest, the Cardinals' depth was questioned in the second half of the season where the Titans had better backup players and allowed them to become the number one seed.
0: All right, so Kingsbury did uh, get asked about the wide receiver group. Let's go over these one by one. DeAndre Hopkins underwent MCL surgery in December. At season's end, Kingsbury said D. Hop was doing well and should be ready in a month or so. That has not changed quote, fully back sometime in the next couple of months, end quote, according to Kingsbury at the annual league meeting in Florida. So we're talking about by the time training camp is ready, he should be full speed, ready to go. Again, I'll be honest, (laughs) if he's going half speed, walking on, you know, with, with no pads on, it does not matter to me what DeAndre Hopkins is doing. I'll say this, though. He did post a video of a pull workout on his Instagram story on Monday, and you can see he is getting back as far as, you know, no more crutches, and he's able to now ramp up that rehab. Whether or not he would have been available if this team meant to the NFC Championship game or Super Bowl, I uh, found that hard to believe. It's probably something that – whether the team puts out or the agent puts out or the team or the player says, you know, let's just let's give a sense of hope for I, the fan base. I, I think but that I, was
1: gamesmanship.
0: And that's the other thing: make sure that your opponent. Hey, you know what? This could be the week. Maybe you know DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we know he's hurt. How hurt is he? But so I, just based off of seeing him on crutches, even during the wild card game, there's no way he was going to be able to play if that if the Cardinals had advanced.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, that was here at the facility.
0: Correct. It wasn't specified, but our executive producer, Jim O'Mahundra, recognized that hydrotherapy pool. Yes. So good news. One, he's in town, but you know that he works out whether it's here or in Texas.
1: Yes. No, it's always encouraging, especially. And and really, that's more where you don't put a lot of weight uh, on the knee. He had an MCL surgery. Uh, we don't know the extent of it. It's better than an ACL um, again, I you know I hope to see him. You know, even if he's standing on the sidelines for off-season workouts, uh, maybe he's going to be rehab, and maybe you don't want him on the field for two hours or ninety minutes or seventy-five minutes. Um, and again, I don't know how much he's going to do in training camp. The whole idea is to get him ready, but there has to be some kind of timing at some point, ramping it up before the season.
0: Here are the numbers again. The importance of DeAndre Hopkins with eight and two, thirty points a game, sixty-six percent. The offense successful scoring touchdowns in the red zone without three and four 21 points a game 48% successful in the red zone for 13 of those last four games. So yeah, a huge piece missing from the Cardinals late in the year. Now, who could be that guy that has some can help alleviate some of that? Currently on the roster, first name that comes to mind is Rondell Moore. And we've talked a lot about him. We've heard Sean Jefferson on the Big Red Rage mention that we'd like to see Rondell Moore a little bit more outside, increase his route tree a little bit, utilize his speed, beat his defender off the line of scrimmage, and take the top off, as they like to say. The updates on Rondell Moore, according to Kingsbury, quote, really explosive player. We didn't play him as much as we probably should have because we had so much depth at the position to start. He's a guy who's ready to step up, end quote. Well, let's take that quote apart in pieces. The depth at wide receiver. Christian Kirk played in the slot, which is where Rondell Moore played. All right, well, Kirk's gone, so that opens up. A.J. Green was your outside wide receiver. Whether or not he is back or not, I do think Zach Ertz could see some time in the slot if you split him as a wide receiver. In 12 or, personnel. And even maybe as an outside receiver as well. But the fact that everyone within the building and the limited interactions that we've had with him as far as over Zoom, Rondell Moore is all business. He wants to do more than what he was handed, but I do think he was limited based off the players that were in front of him. And sometimes with rookies, you don't want to throw too much at them, But I do think he's ready to do a heck of a lot more than just return kicks, punts, and be a quote-unquote slot receiver.
1: Yeah, and he started seven games, played in 14. He missed three games with an ankle injury, and he kind of was forced back into the action for the playoff game. Him and Marco Wilson, and that's not ideal.
0: And I don't know if it was rush back, but if you're a player, that's not a game you want to miss.
1: No, I'm saying I, if it was week 15, they're not playing. I, you're
0: yes, because in that point, we, wild card, there's no tomorrow.
1: We, remember we talked about at the during that week, like the injury report. Yes, there was guys on there, but they were they were practicing. I'm like at this point in the year, if you're 80 percent, you need to be out there, and that was the case. I'm not begrudging. I'm just saying, if it was a regular season game, I think they would have sat, and maybe they could have been more productive. Now, obviously. Um, Nobody played well in that game against the Rams in the playoffs.
0: The production value of Rondell Moore, and I found this stat interesting, next-gen stats, and this kind of goes to show you how limited Rondell Moore was at certain points last season. According to next-gen stats, Rondell Moore averaged 1.1 yards of targeted air yards, lowest in the league by 3.5 yards. Now, targeted air yards, all right, how Far did the ball travel between quarterback and receiver? Targeted air yards. 1.1. That tells me most of his production targets came at or behind the line of scrimmage. And I get it. You want to utilize his speed. Get him out in space. Let him use his athleticism, his quickness to get by a defender. That 1.1 yards of targeted airspace, that needs to tenfold because you want to utilize his speed now as far as a deep threat as an outside wide receiver.
1: Yeah, and that number will definitely go up. Uh, Again, if they want to go forward wide and put him on the outside, that's fine Um, because now you're looking at maybe the third or fourth corner or over-the-top safety help. But, you know, Christian Kirk was a guy who was able to put up some numbers. So I I would think that, you know – I have no problem with the with the eye candy and, and getting him into motion and then throwing the ball to that like that little um, quick um, swing pass in the flat where it is behind the line of scrimmage, but it allows him to put his foot in the ground and go. Um, but that number will go up because he's going to get more playing time in the slot versus being a backup to Christian Kirk. And
0: you know it's a copycat league, and we saw how successful the 49ers were with Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup and the Super Bowl as far as him in the backfield – Rondell Moore was one of those names that we kept talking about. Hey, you know what? Maybe it's not a traditional handoff, but based on the jet sweep or how he gets the ball, it's basically a run play. Yes. How often do we see Rondell Moore in the backfield? Now, I think he's not as – he's a little smaller than a Debo Samuel. I'm not expecting him to run between the tackles. But, again,
1: utilize that quickness and that short burst to get by the defender. Very similar to Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill may be an inch taller, a couple pounds heavier, but very similar. And, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes has, has a lot of um, chemistry when he was there with the Chiefs. And, and they move him around. And there are times he's in motion and, and they get him in the and it, where he's actually running the route and they throw that little flare pass or a swing pass to him and he's off to the races. So, yeah, his numbers will increase now as a rookie, put up 973 all-purpose yards. Now, clearly, that was from um, returning punts and kicks, um, but you like to see his number go up when it comes to receptions, targets, and touchdowns. Almost, actually, a little bit less than half
0: of his all-purpose yards came receiving. And 435
1: receiving, how about we, how about we double that? That should be the goal in year two. 750, 800? And I think because Hop's going to take some of those, yeah, and and Zach Ertz and possibly whoever they bring in or AJ Green.
0: If you believe Kingsbury in the fact that Rondell Moore wants or is ready to step up, then yeah, that should be the goal. Four thirty-five. Let's double it. Let's get to let's get to eight hundred receiving yards in year two. That jump from year one to year
1: two and make him a weapon. Where the defensive coordinator th- throughout the course of the week, yes, you have to stop Kyler Murray, you have to stop James Conner, you have to maybe double team and roll coverage over on DeAndre Hopkins. But now all of a sudden, okay, we got to watch out for number four. This guy's very dynamic in the open field, and and I, you know how I feel about guys making a jump from one year to the next, and maybe sometimes it takes a third year. But I like what you said, and we noticed this in training camp. He's all business. He has the same mentality of Anquan Bolden when he came in. It's not about, you know, uh, giving you quotes. He's very direct when he talks. Um, he believes what he's saying, and it really bothered him when he muffed that punt. He said he couldn't even sleep that weekend. So um, that this guy takes it serious, and uh, I'm excited about his future. I really am. It's just a matter of him getting more comfortable and more confident, knowing he can play in this league, and I believe he can.
0: The other wide receiver, Kingsbury, was asked about, again, this is all from the annual league meeting, NFC head coaches meet with the media, AFC head coaches meet with the media, but Kingsbury said the team, quote, definitely would welcome A.J. Green back. Now, I know that name kind of brings up mixed emotions for a lot of fans, but Kingsbury, quote, we love what he brought us last year, and I think another year in our system, Kyler and him building his relationship will be really good, end quote. At this point here as we speak, at the end of March, Wednesday, March 30th, this team is in, in my estimation, my opinion, dire need of a number two wide receiver, an outside threat. You could do worse than A.J. Green, despite what our eyes told us at the end of last season. So if that's the name that this team signs, A.J. Green, I'm perfectly fine with that because... He has the knowledge of this offense as
1: opposed to someone new coming in and trying to learn what is expected. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more with Kingsbury because what, what, what did it be saying when they retained James Conner and uh, Zach Ertz? They're going to be better because they're they have a year under their belt. I mean, both of them, I mean, Zach Ertz is learning on the fly. He's sitting next to Kyler Murray when they're flying to Cleveland trying to figure out the playbook, and we know, again, it's it's playing receiver and tight end, it's all predicated on coverage. You have to change your route, and the quarterback's got to trust you, so – from that standpoint, I was listening to Matt LaFleur, and he's clearly they need a wide receiver, and they probably should have taken one instead of Jordan Love. They lose two of their top receivers, and he said, we don't play for six months, and you got to think the Packers are going to draft a wide receiver. So it's not the only the Cardinals and the Patriots. They're trying to find a number one wide receiver. And, again, they're not going to play for six months. But I just think having him – now, there were some miscommunications, and I know everyone's going to go to the Packers game, and, and I'm not going to pick that scab because – didn't happen, but towards the end of the season. But Kyler was the first one to say, hey, people are falling asleep on A.J. Green, and they worked out in Texas. So I just think being in the system another year where you're not guessing, you're not breaking the huddle going, okay, where do I need to line up? When you're playing freely and you're not thinking, you can make things happen. So, I listen, I understand fans. They want that shiny new toy. Um, they're gonna they're gonna draft a wide receiver. Oh, there's no question they they're, have to. And and they're probably gonna bring another wide receiver in. There's there's some other guys out there. I mean, they, again, I'm not looking for names. Last year they signed J.J. Watt. He played seven games. I mean, brought a lot of leadership and physicality. And hopefully he can play fifteen to seventeen years. But you know they bring him in and you know grab the headlines and it brought a lot of excitement to the locker room. But he missed 10 games, so it's about staying healthy, and unfortunately they can't control that.
0: Here are still some names, wide receiver names, and I'm looking at taller wide receivers, so I don't include Jarvis Landry. I know he's a popular name out there, but I'm looking at a Will Fuller, six one, Julio Jones, six three, Sammy Watkins, 6'1". One-year deal, and that's what it would be if it was A.J. Green. But a one-year, not prove-it deal, but just one year to get me to – That next season, because when you draft a wide receiver or it's Rondell Moore ready to assume that next step, you kind of give these young players a little bit of a cushion so that wide receiver, if it is pick number 23 or somewhere in the second round, that the spotlight's not on him day one like it was Zayvon Collins. You're not handed anything. You have to go out there and earn it and prove that you're ready.
1: Yeah, Cardinal fans, you probably don't want to hear this, but – I like to deal with facts, and, and I'm gonna have information to back it up. So, last year Kenny Galladay signed with the Giants. They paid him 18 million per year. He had 34 catches. Corey Davis signed with the Jets, 12 million, had 34 catches. Curtis Samuel signed with Washington. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He was making 11.5. Nelson Aguilar with New England, 11 million. He had 36 catches. Will Fuller, Miami, four catches, making 11 million. Marvin Jones, signed with Jacksonville. Make him six. I mean, there's other guys on the list. Emmanuel Sanders. Um, You look at Kendrick Bourne. You look at Sammy Watkins. Keenan Cole. You know who had the most receiving yards? A.J. Green. They paid him $6 They paid him half of what Larry Fitzgerald was making over the last three years. Again, it wasn't ideal, but... The perception is, yes, he didn't turn around. Well, maybe he was running that they there running the ball. Because clearly, I talked to Larry Fitzgerald after the game. He said if he, they, they knew they were passing, you wouldn't see him looking at the jumbotron. I guess I did pick that scab. But anyways, the, the bottom line is you need a tall receiver opposite of Hopkins. And he, he was serviceable. And being in the system another year, he can help some of these young guys too.
0: And I think our expectations, at least my expectations, changed when D-Hop went down. I was like, all right, well, you've got A.J. Green, former number one wide receiver. He's been in the spotlight. He can do it. And it was obvious he could not. He is now a number two wide receiver. He's at that point in his career where he cannot carry an offense. He can be uh, a help to an offense, but he cannot carry an offense. And that was that was my expectation when D-Hop went down. Like, well, A.J. Green, he should be able
1: to do it. He wasn't. Well, it was it was Zach Ertz averaged ten point yeah. five targets per game when Hop went down. I mean, and there were there were A.J. Green. I mean, you look at his numbers um, from a standpoint of played in nine games, started sixteen. He missed one with COVID. Um, Fifty-four reception on ninety-two targets, um, eight hundred forty-eight yards, three touchdowns. He did have two of the team's four one hundred-yard. Um, Receiving games, he averaged 15 yards a catch, and all these stats are courtesy of Craig Grillo.
0: The one stat that I don't like is the percentage yes. of receptions that he had on 92 targets. 54 catches on 92 targets, that's 59%. There, so there was obvious there was, there was some there was, issue.
1: There was drops and miscommunication. And the, I go back to the Packers game, and there was a game maybe against the Colts when Kyler was in the pocket sitting in the pocket, and he wanted him to come back to the ball, and Kyler threw it a little bit short, and he didn't come back for the ball. So, again, I understand the perception, but he's better than Antoine Wesley. He has more experience to where he can recognize his coverage. Wesley, you know, he's a fourth or fifth receiver. You can never have enough depth at that position.
0: Yeah, and again, you can do a heck of a lot worse than an A.J. Green, so we'll keep an eye on that. The last Kingsbury quote that we want to share has to do with Kyle Murray. It's kind of been the main topic of conversation concerning the Arizona Cardinals here this off season. but according to Kingsbury, quote, we're in a good place. Then he added later, we see him as the long-term future, and I know he feels the same way, end quote. Again, I do think something gets done as far as answering that long-term future question. It's just I don't think it's going to happen before the draft. It might not even happen in May. It might not be until training camp.
1: Well, coming up on May 2nd, the Cardinals can uh, uh, exercise his fifth-year option. Steve Kimes said they'll absolutely do that at the NFL Combine, and that's close to 29000000 you know, million. We'll wait and see. I mean, if nothing's done before the draft, I guess um, – They can ask for a trade, and the Cardinals will not answer the phone. And then you just hope that, you know, they can get on the same page. And for me, they need to re-sign and extend Kyler Murray. By saying that, I I would just like to see a little bit more, but you can't have it both ways, right? And if you wait,
0: then you're the Dallas Cowboys, and you're paying a heck of a lot more to Dak Prescott than you would have. And it's
1: It's, kind of like, you know, I don't know if this is a good analogy because I'm just – Popping in my head, it's like you're living in this house, and you know you got to move, buy a new house, and you're just kind of putting it off. Eventually, you're gonna to have to pay the price.
0: Exactly, the value of quarterback, much like the value of real estate. So you to homes. avoid it, yes. and,
1: and you can refinance and get a 15-year loan. But here, at some point, you're figuring I got equity here. I'm 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 gonna have to finally move. And again, they're gonna to have to pay him at some point. It's just we talked about. These teams with these rookie quarterbacks on rookie deals and how you're supposed to kind of cash in with talent. I just hope that his his cap number isn't 43 million, because all of a sudden now, when you look at that pie, yes, you may not be able to afford a left tackle at 12, 15 million a year. So it it kind of so the structure and to me, I don't care what the number is, the total number. It's the guaranteed money. That's all it that matters to me, and I really think Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, came out yesterday, and he was very clear. Um, first of all, this is shocking. Lamar Jackson may just let this play out, <laughs> and they're willing—they're willing to give him forty to forty-three million a year. But because of Deshaun Watson getting an NBA or a Major League Baseball contract, that's changed everything. If you're Eric Burkhart, you're thinking guaranteed money. I mean, every agent's thinking that now. Yeah, and whoever's next in line. And Lamar doesn't have an agent. His mom is his agent. He's got a consultant who will look through the fine print, probably pays him ten, twenty thousand dollars a day or an hour to look it over, but he's not in a hurry. And and he he was injured last year. Isn't he? Doesn't he have to worry about now, he's a free spirited guy. I love watching him. I love his personality. Um you could see he's a team player yesterday when they announced John Harbaugh was getting an extension, he liked it and he made a comment, so but the but the uh, Eric DeCosta the GM says he doesn't even call me back. <laughs> that that's
0: that's the fascinating part of this. It's just real quick because Lamar Jackson did go on social media earlier on Wednesday. Quote: I love my Ravens. I don't know who the hell putting that false narrative out that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. That was the end of his tweet. But to your point, the Ravens want. <laughs> See, this is <laughs> this is the difference between Cardinals and Kyler Murray yeah. and the Ravens well, he's, and Lamar Jackson. Craig.
1: He's been an MVP. Yes, he's been in the playoffs.
0: But all right, it, you're, you're the Ravens. You want to lock this player up. If you're Lamar Jackson, why wouldn't you want a long term deal? Why play on this fifth year and then, I don't know, go down the road of Kirk Cousins and hope you get franchise tag? I don't. From a future uh, standpoint, he, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Do you think to
1: me. he's do you think he's worth more than Deshaun Watson?
0: Lamar Jackson, his resume says he is. Now, skill set, I did. I think Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback thrower. Yes, Lamar Jackson's able to do a little I think, bit more.
1: I think Lamar, he's you know obviously the, he's 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 got Greg uh, Roman there, so he's had a good coordinator. But I think he improvises a lot, like Kyler, where. I'm not saying he doesn't watch film, but because of their skill set and when guys are open, they can get the ball to him. But but I, I would assume just because he's won an MVP in his age, he's going to get more than Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't know if it's all going to be guaranteed, but that's that's the bar now. It's, this is unheard of.
0: It's almost like the Ravens, again, no. whether it was ownership, general manager, or head coach at the annual league meeting, asking the media for help. Get this out there. We want to do
1: something. Well, Please call us, Lamar. <laughs> can you imagine if they got Lamar done before Deshaun Watson and all of a sudden Lamar only got 100 fit only, yeah, I know $150 million guaranteed? I mean, if he had an agent, a deal would be done.
0: I would think so. And last, again, as we talked about earlier uh, with respects to Kyler Murray and Eric Burkhart. The agent worked for the player.
1: Yeah, but the agent also is supposed to give you advice. Yes,
0: and I hope that there is someone in God, Lamar so Jackson's ear going, Look. "Look,
1: he's t- he's he's supposed to take the bullets for you when things aren't going right, and you're you're sending out you know emails and posts and stuff." But at the end of the day, but the reason why you hire is because of their expertise and their advice, and it's not just football; it's financially to take care of you for life your family. You know, you got, you got can't just can't go out there and spend uh, money like a drunken sailor. So there's a lot that goes into it.
0: Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The one topic that I don't think was asked of Cliff Kingsbury, it might have been but I didn't see it anywhere, is because I think darn near every head coach was asked about it, and that is overtime. Now when the coaches were asked about it on Monday and Tuesday, this was before the final vote, but certainly sounded like and we talked about what Mike Tomlin had to say I don't fear sudden death most coaches around the league liked how overtime was or now currently is in the regular season meaning you win the coin toss you get the ball score a touchdown on your first possession you win the ball game kick a field goal then the other team has an opportunity and then you play sudden death well That's still going to be the case in 2022, but the owners approved the proposal to change overtime rules for the postseason and postseason only, and it's a proposal that the Colts and Eagles both submitted, and that is each team will now be guaranteed a possession. Again, this is postseason only, but each team is guaranteed a possession. It was approved by a 29-3 vote. They needed 24 yes votes for it to go through, And it certainly sounds like most coaches don't really like this. But this was an ownership decision, and I think it was a knee-jerk reaction to the Chiefs and Bills' overtime game and how exciting that was. Yet the finish saw Josh Allen sitting on the sidelines. The league owners don't want that image anymore in a high-profile football game.
1: And he wasn't the only one. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he was on the sidelines when they played the the Patriots. Matt Ryan was on the sidelines when Tom Brady beat him in the Super Bowl. So, Although,
0: I'll say this, because I heard that before, and you would think, based off the league, whenever something like that kind of a play or that situation happens, there's always an immediacy, all right, well, we need to fix it. We need to change it. I don't remember a lot of talk. Now, we're talking well, a while back, but – after that Super Bowl, was there a lot of angst as far as hey, we we why wasn't Matt Ryan given an opportunity?
1: No, because I think it was what twenty-eight to three. Twenty-eight to three, yes. So this this was like a shootout between the Bills and it's like who had the ball last. But again, so there was a different, it, and it's just seventeen game schedule, the playoffs. I mean, you got Josh Allen. I, it just seemed like everyone was gravitated to it. Maybe it's the gambling aspect, and, and I don't know about fantasy and the playoffs and stuff like that. I'm sure there's leagues out there. but it, Now, this is interesting. Under the format, o- overtime format, there have been 164 overtime games, including playoffs. Teams that won the overtime coin toss have a record of 86-68-10 in those games. Winning percentage, 53%.
0: It's almost uh, literally a coin toss in the regular season. Or when you combine every single game, but it's a different when you just focus on the postseason.
1: Under the format, there have been 12 overtime playoff games. The teams that won the overtime coin toss have a record of 10 and 2 in those games, 84%. Only teams to lose were the Saints in 2018 versus the Rams, Chiefs um, against the uh, Bengals. Seven of those 10 teams scored on sudden death on their opening drive. That's, what, that's why we're having this conversation.
0: Trying to be fair, yet what has been pointed out, I was like, all right. So each team now gets a possession. Well, at the end of the day, a team now will get two possessions versus one possession. So is one possession versus
1: zero possessions better than two possessions versus one possession? Okay, I have a question for you, and I should know this. So are we going to have two coin tosses or just one? There is going to be
0: two coin tosses, one at the start of the game and then one at the start of overtime.
1: Okay. So yesterday was interesting with the analytics crowd. And I was I was in favor of, hey, if you get the ball first, do you try to go for two? Put some pressure on your opponent. But if you don't, it's six. Now they 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 only have to score a touchdown and an extra, an extra point. point. Yes. So I I started looking at, you know, Mina Kimes is really good at analytics and Everyone's saying, well, you got to go for two. So this is what I came up with. If you win the toss, choose to go f- for the second. If you have the ball first and go at the TD, go for one. So, And if you have the ball second and, sc- and score TD, go for two. So there, there's different analytics that's going to come up. Now, if you have the ball second and first team scored field goal, don't settle for a field goal unless you absolutely have to.
0: So be a little bit more aggressive when you know that you can settle for a field goal. Yeah, okay, this is, this is where Cliff Kingsbury, what we've seen from him, yes. where you're inside the red zone, and if you have an opportunity on fourth and one from maybe the 32-yard line, you've got Matt Prater. He could kick a 50-plus yarder to keep the game going. I can see a lot of head coaches. Cliff Kingsbury, for one, I'm going to go for it, take my chances, keep this drive going because I know six points – beats and gets us a win. All
1: right, so let's say let's say um, the Cardinals drive down there, they win the coin toss, and they, they, they score a touchdown and kick an extra point. Now, is that other team, you think automatically they're going to go for two?
0: Depends on the head coach. If you're playing the Chargers, yeah, they're going to go for two. Um, yeah, it, it's it, – you want the game to end,
1: and there's a sense – And people, according to Goodell, he said – their overtime ratings. Are, I mean, you watch a game. We know that millions of people. But he said, when the overtime, it's just, and it's exciting for the fans and the players. And it's the,
0: exciting for the fans. I don't know how exciting it is for the coaches yeah. because now more decisions are going to be second-guessed. And depending on what happens during that game, if you're down a couple of players, then all of a sudden you want yeah. that game to end as quickly as possible. Right. You, it's right. not. Ex, it's not worth extending the game at the. Well, if we're talking postseason, that's a different story. You. you so, Sorry, you you got you to gotta get that win.
1: So, regular season, same rules.
0: Same rules. Win the, win coin, the coin toss, toss yes. score, touchdown, you win. You win. If you don't, you kick a field goal or you punt the ball, then we- the other team gets possession. That's the only way. The other issue, and you kind of hinted at it, you know, at the start of the game you win the coin toss, and most coaches, unless you're Bruce Arians, will defer. We want to try to do that Bill Belichick score at the end of the first half, get the ball to Double begin up. the second half. Yes, two scores in a row. Will we see teams now in the postseason win the coin toss and defer, see what the opponent does? Great point. And now all of a sudden, does that take a little bit of the excitement away from what overtime was, that sudden death? That was the excitement, sudden death. Well, you're not going to get to sudden death unless after each team has a possession. You're going to have to wait for that excitement of sudden death.
1: I'm fascinated to see who's going to go for two. Especially if a team scores a touchdown and an extra point, and again, these guys don't want to play seventy minutes a week. I mean, it's Plus, you when you get late in the year, and I'm talking about regular season. Again, I was hoping that they would say we're going to allow ties in the regular season. I know fans don't like that, um, but the, again, seventeen games, these guys playing seventy minutes, it's not ideal for the body. I'm curious on what,
0: like, a Vance Joseph has to say about mm. this. Now, we've heard from him, and I believe it was after the 49ers game, the home game in which the 49ers went for it, what, I think four or five times on fourth down, and Vance Joseph, like, you know, I know I my best fourth down defense is going to beat your best fourth down offensive call. So head offensive coordinators are going to have to come up with more two-point conversion, two-point plays to give perhaps if you're going to go for two, and then defenses, you got to be ready. Did the Cardinals attempt a two-point conversion last year? Off the top of my head, did they convert a two-point try? That's a good question. Uh, they went for it on fourth down so many times, but I don't know if they went – actually, you know what? I'm looking at the stats right here. They were 0 of 3 on two-point tries. Okay. 0 of 3. I, for I, the life I, of me, I, I can't remember.
1: one or two games. I just didn't know how many.
0: 0 of 3. Again, Bird Gang, don't ask me when those games or when those attempts happened. But, yeah, only three two-point tries – in 2022, or I should say 2021,
1: yeah, because they went for so so much on fourth yeah. down, and obviously you got to get down to the goal line. To Interesting. In
0: 2020, they were also 0 of three on two point tries. So in the last two seasons, 0 of six going for two. <laughs> Read into that what you hey, want.
1: They got James Conner. Yes.
0: Give the ball to James Conner, maybe Rondell Moore in the backfield and just kind of see where it goes. Well, and,
1: uh, you know, Kyler did try to throw to Zach Ertz. Unfortunately, the ball was tipped at the line um, with Aaron Donald. That would have been a touchdown. Um, So I'm looking at two-point conversions. Uh, Yeah, I I just have percentages. But, yeah, the Cardinals, they were ranked 26th in two-point conversions last year. On offense? Yeah. Okay. The Saints didn't try one. Vegas didn't try one. Um, the good teams were good were Houston, San Fran, Philadelphia. Well, in the case of Houston, you had nothing to lose. Just <laughs> yes, this
0: just <laughs> a, just go for two every time. That's a yeah, good exactly. Point so, fascinated on, and again, as as I, I joked about on the Red Sea report, that, you know, you know what's going to happen now, MJ. We've had all of this discussion, all this angst, this back and forth. There is not going to be a playoff game in 2022 that goes into overtime. You can almost write it down. It's not going to happen. It's just, it's just how the way the world
1: works. But, we know, Craig, I'm starting to see over and unders, and I'm like, okay, uh, that's great, but. It's a week-to-week proposition. Yes. That's the NFL. I mean, and and who plays the best on that – which quarterback plays the best on that Sunday normally wins. That's how the NFL is. So, yeah, it, I just think when you get to the playoffs, everything gets ratcheted up and and, and and teams get a little conservative. But when you're trailing, how many games come down to the last five minutes in the NFL? And and they'll, they'll throw a stat out eight points or less or seven points or less. I mean, we're talking over 55% of games that come down to one possession. Not three, it's more seven or eight points, which is doable unless you don't convert the two-point conversion. So these games always come down to the end.
0: And that's what makes the National Football League so exciting. So we'll see what happens again. The regular season, overtime, remains the same postseason, each team with at least one possession. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk with head coach Cliff Kingsbury get his thoughts on that and of course we'll keep an eye on what happens in free agency and right around the corner is the 2022 nfl draft
1: yeah and, we're starting to see some pro days wrap up
0: yep i believe uh alabama was scheduled this week georgia was uh in the past couple of days so who was yesterday yes
1: this is the time of the year and then the cardinals could bring in 30 visits so you know bring them in they, they were able to interview 45 players at the Combine for about 15 minutes. Um, that's more of a meet-and-greet here. You go back to the tape, what were you doing on this play? If you were to play a certain position, what was the coverage you were looking at? So now, and usually they take them out for dinner and they get a nice steak dinner and they go on this banquet circuit, and then all of a sudden they get drafted and it's time to go to work. <laughs> They've been patted on the back how great they are.
0: You're in the building and it doesn't matter how you got there. Now you're just like everyone else.
1: Unless you're like a first-round pick.
0: Yeah. and on that note we will put a lid on this edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals as always special thanks to our executive producer jim omohundro for mike jurecki i'm craig riolu we'll talk to you next time here on cardinals cover two